This is amazing. Anytime we're into the, in the presence of the Lord is what? It's the fullness of joy. And that's all we're gathering for today is to lift up a worthy praise to the one who is worthy. And, you know, those testimonies are powerful. They're amazing and they're awesome. But every single one of us, if we would just go and then release that air, we have a testimony because the Lord put that air in our lungs today that allowed us to get out of bed. And so that's worthy to be praised. I, I see no wheelchairs in here. I see no uh, Bibles that are in Braille. I mean, we all have a testimony of his goodness day after day after day, and that should be worthy enough for him to be praised all the days of our life. You know, Psalm 100 verse 4, we were praying earlier today, and it's amazing because it tells us how we can draw near to the Lord. It tells us how we can come into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It gives us a blueprint of how we can get close to our Redeemer, and it's through praise. We should, um, we should note that if you really do a deep dive in studying, you know, some of the Psalms and what that actually looks like, what actually happens when God's people praise his name, I'm talking about a pure, not half-hearted, but wholehearted, um, completely devoted, uh, worthy of uh, the lambs, you know, receiving our, our thanksgiving type of praise, something happens in the spirit realm and it sends the demons fleeing. It's a sound that Satan hates when God's people start worshiping the name of Jesus above all else. Because, you know, we understand, you know, how to give thanks to the Lord, right? That's not a foreign idea to God's people. But most of the time, it's, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like those people. I mean, if we're, just, if we're being honest, I mean, we thank the Lord, but it's like, God, I'm so thankful I'm not like those people. That's not the type of thanksgiving he's asking. He's asking, Lord, I'm so thankful that I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm so thankful that I couldn't see, but oh, now I can see. I'm so thankful that I was part of a kingdom of darkness that was going to have eternal separation from you, and you went and redeemed me and brought you into your marvelous kingdom of light. This is the type of thanksgiving that he's talking about. And when we lift up a shout of praise, it does something because Psalm 22 verse 3 says, you are holy who inhabit the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of Israel, but that's also an extension to us today. He inhabits the praises of his people. And if you understand what that word inhabit means in Hebrew, it is he sits upon. It actually means that he sits upon the praises of his people. When we lift up our eyes to him and give him all that he deserves, he is actually, because remember the Bible says he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And so it's no small thing when we gather and just worship the name of Jesus and lift his name up above our current circumstances. We are actually offering up an appropriate th throne for our king to sit on. It's really, really amazing if you will picture that when you worship. And that's why, you know, I had to get out of the old, you know, Southern Baptist style worship, which was, you know, to actually understanding when I'm worshiping, I am tethering myself back to the king and I am offering up an aroma that is pleasing to him that allows him to move in my life. This is the type of worship that he is looking for. We're to be a people of perpetual and constant praise to the one who has redeemed us. This isn't a once of the year type thing that happens in November, right? This is a 365 days a year praise that God is asking and in fact demanding from his people. It's the very foundation of our communion with him. 
And so we're going to look at some scriptures today, uh, primarily in the book of Psalms, and which is interesting because the actual Hebrew word, you know, Psalms means book of praises in Hebrew. It's actually what it means. It's just an entire book. It's not quite, you can get in the weeds here because some people say it's uh, uh, the longest book in the Bible. Words wise, it's not. Chapters wise, it is. But it is a very, it, it, it is a, a foundational element to the life of a believer. It's the book of praises, and we're going to look at these tonight. Praise is one main purpose for which God blesses us and brings us into his victory. This is very, very important for us to understand. As we praise him, a blessing comes upon us, and we're actually brought into his victory. Because remember, it's not by might. It's not by strength. There's nothing we can do on our own. There's not manufactured praises to get something from him. It is just a heart of adoration because of what he has done and who he is, and that will bring us into his victory. Psalm 106, verse 47. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your name and to triumph in your praise. That's interesting how we can triumph in our praise to the king. When we praise God, we triumph. You need to understand that because as this is talking about in ancient times, what, what was actually happening in, in Rome in the ancient world is uh, triumphing was not the winning of a victory. It was the celebration of a victory that had already been won. It wasn't a triumphing that, you know, we're going to win this battle. It was the procession after the battle had already been won. How many of you know he has already won the battle? And so when we attach our praise to his, we can join in his triumph because he has brought us into his victory. This is the type of praise that God is asking from his people. When we praise God, we're not asking him for victory. We're celebrating the fact that he has already won. And we get to be a part of that. We are joining in his triumph. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumphal procession in Christ. This is what I was talking about. There is a procession that happens, this triumphant procession. And in fact, in, in those days, in, in, you know, in the ancient world, it would be a, a military commander who had gone out on behalf of his troops and won the battle. I'm trying to paint a picture here as, so we understand that something happens when we praise the Lord that is far more significant than just uh, raising our hands in the house of the Lord. We are, we are joining in the victories of our King. And we are claiming those victories in our life. And when there was a triumphant procession back in those days, a commander would come in and listen, he would bring his captives behind them, the ones that they had just conquered, and they would all be in chains. And people would be lining the sidewalks, and they'd be throwing flowers and rice and whatever else they could probably throw, celebrating this. But we need to understand that we are not on the sidewalk throwing flowers we're not being led behind our king in chains. We're actually seated up in that chariot with him as co-heirs of Christ. And this is something that we should be thankful for in a perpetual way all the days of our life because he has overcome the devourer so that we can be overcomers too. We should give him praise all the days of our life. Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12, because you'll, you'll, you'll always get, look, I'm not naive. I'm, you know, the, the world is not a rose garden, right? As some people what have you think that you give your life to Christ and you're going to get the Maserati and the yacht and everything's going to be fine for my Houston friends. <laughs> Did anybody get that? I'm joking. Joel's fine. Um, 
My point is, when you give your life to Christ, it doesn't mean that you're going to have no valleys. It just means there's one with you in the valley, and you're going to go through it on the other side victorious. And Psalm 30 tells us, listen, verse 11 and 12, you have turned from for me my mourning into dancing. Listen, we've all been in seasons where we've been in great mourning. In fact, we can't even, you know, some of us can't even articulate the mourning. It's kind of hard for me to get through this because my dad's sitting on the front row and my sister passed away when she was 20. And I, I, I can only experience that from a, as a sibling. But now that I have kids, I can't imagine. There's, there are seasons of mourning in our life. It's just the way it is on this side of heaven. But there's a promise that he will turn our mourning into dancing. And he says, you have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. And here's the purpose for that sackcloth being removed. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. When I read this, I, did a, I studied on this all week and looked at commentators and different ministers and what theologians who have a lot more degrees than I do all said about this. And what's interesting is if you read this, that last part, he does this for a purpose. And let's, we need to ask ourselves, what is that purpose? It says, to the end that our glory may give praise to him. What is our glory? I'm glad you guys asked because I studied you go to Psalm 16, 9. It says, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. That's interesting that our glory can rejoice. So you got to look at some different translations here, but you can find out what I think to be a really accurate one in Acts chapter 2, verse 26, because Peter is inspired by the Holy Spirit and he quotes this verse from Psalm 16, 9. And he interprets the word glory here. He says, therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. This is very, very important for us to understand because what it is telling us is that we have a response that our glory can rejoice, which is our tongue, which is our mouth, which out of our mouth releases a praise, a praise that moves God in our behalf. He says, the only reason, if we really think about this, the only reason why we have our tongue is to praise him. It's honestly not to come up with a bunch of opinions or clever ideas ourselves. He gave us our mouths and our tongues to sing praises to the one forevermore. That's what we're going to do in eternity. So I don't know why we're waiting for one day to do it when the world needs to see us doing it now so that more are brought into the sheepfold. But our tongue is to praise the one who gave us that very tongue. And we need to really, really understand that. And as we do that, we use our glory or our tongue to glorify him. And listen, thankful praise. I'm talking about thankful praise. Not out of formula or function, but thankful praise prepares the way for God's supernatural intervention in your life. It's just the blueprint for the salvation of the Lord and the supernatural defense of the Lord to come in whatever situation you're dealing with. Psalm 50 is a, a powerful chapter in God's word because the first part is God is speaking to his people and he's saying, listen, um, I'm not going to rebuke you for your sacrifices, but I actually don't need them. This is what he's telling them. 
He's like, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you about it. The whole earth is mine. I own the cattle of a thousand hills. Everything that I have is mine. He's telling him the religious rituals and all these things that we're doing is he's not rebuking him for it. He's just saying, that's not actually what I need from you. And we can go to verse 14 and see what he says. He says, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high. Call upon me in the day of trouble. He's describing to him what he wanted, more than rituals or sacrifice. A thankful heart, a life of obedience, living in trust to him, staying tethered to him. If you do this, he promises something. He says, call upon me and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. As we praise God, it opens up his supernatural power in our life to set us free from whatever challenges or situations we're going on. It's very, very powerful. Look, the, the new age or the world, those who are not walking in the light, they understand the power of words, of declarations and decrees, of releasing stuff out of their mouth. They're trying to manifest, you know, synthetic versions of the power of God. But when we praise from a pure heart, walking in the light, it will break off the oppression and the anxiety and the heaviness that the world is trying to put on us because it forces you to not look at yourself but turn from your current situation back onto the one who has set you free. This is the power of praise. And I love how Psalm 50 ends, the last verse in that chapter. It says, whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct, I will show the salvation of God. As we offer our praise, it prepares a way for God's salvation to break through in our lives. There are many, many biblical illustrations of the sovereign hand of the Lord working on behalf of his people as they turn to him and praise and ask for thanksgiving or with thanksgiving and ask for his intervention. One of them is in 2 Chronicles 20. We'll go through a few of them. King Jehoshaphat, he, you know, he's the king of Judah. He was a good king, but he is faced with a situation and armies coming up um, from the southeast. And he knows he's, he's understanding that he doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the military strength. He doesn't have the resources in the natural to withstand this invading army that is coming against him and his people. So what does he do? He proclaimed a fast and he called all of God's people together. And they begin to praise the Lord. And as they were fasting and praying, the Lord speaks prophetically. I'll, I'm going to sum up kind of the story because we have two other illustrations I want us to look at. But as they are praying and fasting, he begins, the Lord begins to speak prophetically through a Levite. And this is what Jehoshaphat said in response. He says, believe in the Lord your God and his prophets and you will prosper. And if you go to verse 21, the Bible says, and when Jehoshaphat had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. Now keep in mind, as they're praying and fasting, it's not stopping the invading army from heading their direction. This is just his response to an impending terror that's coming against them that in the natural, he has no means to withstand. And so when Jehoshaphat had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And as they went out to face this army that was far more mightier than them, they're praising, praise the Lord whose mercy endures forever. Upon that praise, the Lord said a spirit and the enemy turned on each other. They didn't have to fire a single arrow and they won the battle. He will bring us into his victory if we will praise his name despite every situation that we're going through. He is faithful. This happened in the life of King Jehoshaphat. And I know y'all are like, okay, can we have a couple more? Yes, I'm also glad you asked. 
Because Jonah's an interesting story. And I know I'm always, I'm always kind of throwing that in when I make jokes about the men saying, we're not going to do a book study on Jonah. So now I'm eating a little bit of crow. Because uh, it's an interesting story because you have Jonah... The Lord gives him a command, I need you to go to that great city, Nineveh. And he's like, ah, I'm good. I think I'm going to go the opposite direction. How many of us do that all the time? The Lord tells us to do something. I think I'm going to go the opposite direction. But that's not really what I want to point at, although you should obey the Lord when he tells you. Um, But Jonah goes the other way. And of course, uh, he gets put on a boat and the great storm comes. He gets thrown over into the water. And we know in the mouth of the belly of a whale. But what's interesting in the second chapter of Jonah, it actually starts in verse two. He begins to pray to the Lord and he's praying to him and he's like, you've cast me into the deep. I'm in the belly of a whale. I cry out to you. And he prays for seven verses and he's having a conversation with the Lord and nothing happens. And then you get to verse nine. And this is what he says. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. And I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And upon that praise, the well spits him out onto dry land. He has seven verses where he is having a conversation and nothing's happened. And then he turns, even though he's still in the belly of the well, he says, nevertheless, I'm going to offer a praise of thanksgiving to the one whose salvation comes from. And it's like something about that thankfulness that arose in Jonah was too much for the well. And he spit him out and he was delivered. Something happens regardless of a situation we're in in the natural that moves the heart of the Father to intervene on our behalf when we begin to praise Him. The last one I'll give you, Acts 16. You have Paul and Silas, and they're on their ministry, you know, their um, ministry journey. And what happens here is, I'm going to sum this up too for time, but they, they kind of get themselves into a situation because they're being followed around by this, you know, the girl's not annoying. This uh, spirit, this demon that's in this girl is quite annoying. And she's following him around and she's saying the truth all the time. It's just Paul gets tired of it. And um, so he casts this demon out of this girl. And by setting this captive free, you would think that, hey, everyone should celebrate. But of course they don't because it cuts off the money supply to the people who are running a little scam there in town. And so they get thrown into a dungeon and, uh, And Paul and Silas um, go from being freely ministering in the area to being whipped, beaten, bloodied, and put in basically the belly of this jail, which is a dungeon. And then Acts 16.25 says, But about midnight when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so powerful that the very foundations of the prison began to shake. And once all the doors were open and the chains were unfastened, and um, it, it broke open all the captives that were in those prison cells, and the chains fell off upon the praises of Paul and Silas in the middle of that dungeon. And they were bleeding, and they were beaten, and they began to praise the Lord despite of their current situation. Um, I don't believe that they were happy at all about I don't believe that they were saying, oh Lord, thank you for this testing. Thank you for this. I just think they recognized that it was irrelevant, the situation they were in. The only response was to praise the one and the only one who could set them free from that situation. And as they did that, the captives, not only were they set free, the captives were set free, the jailer and his whole family coming to the Lord. And it all happened because two people realized, despite even though there are chains on my hands, I'm still going to give them praise even though that I'm in a prison cell right now, he's still worthy of my thankfulness. 
And I'm telling you, when we, when we step out of ourselves a little bit and recognize that it's just really not about us or our current situation, it's about uh, uh, giving the king the praise that is due, that he is worthy of, things begin to shift in our lives. There's three different examples here that I've just given you of God's supernatural intervention and his salvation making his way into these uh, what seem like desperate and dire situations upon the praises of his people. Salvation came to an entire household by Paul and Silas just praying in the middle of being bound in a dungeon of a cell. It's powerful when we begin to praise the Lord. King David knew of this truth. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song, I will praise him. Why did David trust him? Why do we trust him? He is our strength and shield. He is our ever, ever present help in our time of need. He's worthy to be praised. I'm telling you, if we could understand this, that praise takes our focus off of us and our problems and puts it on God and his power to overcome them. This is the power and purpose of praise. It will take the focus off of our current issues and place it back on, oh no, Lord, you're the one who sets the captives free. I'm gonna praise you for that. I'm gonna give you thanks for that. I know I still got chains right now, but I know you're a chain breaker and I'm gonna give you praise until I see these chains broken off. This is the power of praise in our life. I'm gonna kind of work my way toward the end here because the, the worship team's gonna come up and you know, as we were praying and talking and I just, I just want us all to give him praise during ministry time for, you know, every single person in here has a reason to praise the one who has redeemed us. If we understand that, we're going to sing worthy of it all because he is worthy of it all. And as we do that, there's one thing, there's, this is something that Adam, I love about Adam is he's always trying to, to gather the, the family of uh, the, the body of Christ to come together and pray, to come together and praise, to come together and worship. There's something very powerful when we come together and lift up a shout of praise. Psalm 34, I'm going to read the first seven verses here. David says, now listen, this, this is David, a uh, psalm that's authored or written while he's in the cave of Adullam, Okay. So it wasn't like David was reigning and walking around rooftops at this point. He's on the run. He's terrified for his life, so much so that he has fled all the neighboring towns because they had an alliance with Saul, and the only place he could go was to the Philistines, and he is forced into the very camp with the same sword that he removed the head of their champion. And so it's a desperate and dire situation, and this is the 34th chapter of Psalms that David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David's not saying I'm gonna go in the corner by myself. He's telling anyone, all the misfits, all the people that have made their way to him, magnify the Lord with me. Let's bless his name together because something powerful happens when we do that. Verse four, I sought the Lord and he heard me 
and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked at him and were, uh, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. And the poor cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. That, ver- that, that language right there, taste and see that the Lord is good, is not theory, it's not speculation. That is language of experience. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Too often, we hold our praise and our thankfulness to the Lord deep inside our heart, but we're really quick to profess our complaints with our mouth. And David says, no, no, no. Your praise will continually be on my lips. I'm going to continue to profess it. Praise shall continually be in my mouth. The triumph and joy of this song that David is authoring here cannot be lost in the context of when it was authored because if it was true and good and right for David then and that situation that is true and good and right for us in whatever situation we're going through right now. David was anointed king, yet he was on the run, and many of us have had dreams delayed or situations thrown at us or diagnosis, and we are going to praise him anyway. We are going to see the breakthrough because he is a faithful God to deliver. The last chapter, the last uh, uh, psalm that I want to read is chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. It says, Well, praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High, with my whole heart. Our joy as a people of God cannot be fixed on the gift we receive, but on the one who gives the gift. Our praise and our joy and our hope is not in the gift that we receive, but the gift giver, the one who has redeemed us and set us free. It can't be that we only thank him while we're not in chains. It can't be when we only thank him when we're not in the belly of a well. It can't be when we only thank him when we're not in the cave of Adullam, but in the palace. We thank him always, at all times. We so clearly and so tragically focus on the $1,000 we lost in, in, instead of the 10000 that's still in the account. We focus on the one, you know, God, I thank you for your mercies are anew each day, and then forget a life of mercies that he has bestowed upon us. He is worthy to be praised. And so I'm just going to invite you guys to stand right now. And I feel like there's a powerful moment here where we're just going to say you are worthy of it all. We're going to silence the noise, the world, the lies, the situations, the challenges, whatever has been put on us, whatever lies. In fact, there's someone in here. I wasn't even going to say this. There's someone in here that needs to hear like it's going to be okay. You stumbled in here today because you thought, well, what's the point? Nothing else is working. I'll just go try this thing. Let me tell you, the Lord already knew he's gone before you. It is going to be okay. Lift up a praise to him anyway. Lift up a thanksgiving to him anyway because he is worthy of it all. And as we fix our eyes on him right now, ask him to break off whatever heaviness or anxiety that you need to be delivered from today. And he is faithful to do it as we praise his name in Jesus' name.